I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Konnichiwa. Nerds! Nerds. We are back with our guest, return guest, Mr. Jesse's Dan back. Johnson. Back again. Hey, Dan, welcome back. I'm glad to glad to be back, guys. I'm I'm a little surprised you had me back after what I said on that last podcast. <laughs> I'm, dude. I, I am really sorry about the complaints you guys got and everything. And uh, I, I promise this time I'm wearing pants and I've got the camera angled up so nobody's going to see anything inappropriate even if, if I wasn't. So <laughs> I apologize for that. I, I I do apologize for that. And for anyone who who um, saw me in that last one, I I um, now you know why I call it a strip threat and not a strip tease. <laughs> Uh, that makes me think of Anchorman, which there is an Anchorman podcast now. Yes. Uh, Will, wow. Well, I've listened to a little bit of it. Like Will Ferrell in his oh. pers- persona from Anchorman interviews people. So that's, that's, that's a pretty cool. It's very popular right now, apparently. Really? Uh, Will Ferrell? Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, Will Ferrell, man, you know, of course it'd be popular. No. Uh, anyway, so I just came from a work party. I'm very relaxed. Oh, I had like three cool. drinks. I'm having a good time already. But I'm, I'm here. Up on Abilify. I get to be here with you nerds to talk about something I know nothing about. My Hero Academia. An anime from what Will has told me, Dan. You love this show. Will, you've said you love this show. I know virtually nothing about it. So guys, well, actually, Dan, we'll start with you. Why should I watch My Hero Academia? I'm a busy man. I got four kids. I got a full-time job. I got a podcast. I got a YouTube channel. Should I invest some time in watching this show? What do you think? I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, these days, I rarely watch television. If I watch TV, I'll usually watch something like maybe once, uh, like a new show. I'll watch it like one time. In the last year and a half, I have seen every season of My Hero Academia at least three times. Wow. It's that good. It is. Um, my, my first question to you would be, do you like superheroes? I do. I do. Yeah, you're going to want to see it. Basically, the reason why <laughs> I fell in love with My Hero Academia is because this is the kind of, this is the way superheroes should be portrayed. And I've been telling people for the longest time that if you want to do superheroes right in America, Look at the way My Hero Academia treats the uh, treats the characters. Um, the only other thing I can say about the show is this is the one that sent me down the rabbit hole of anime. Um, <laughs> I I had seen a few previous anime shows like uh, Battle of the Planet, Star Blazers, uh, Speed Versus, the old school stuff, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, my, Will and uh, another friend of mine, uh, Josh Rout, uh, convinced me to take a look at the show. In fact, my friend Josh, when we were working together. Uh, constantly was talking to me about it and I said okay I'm going to check it out and see what it's like it was on Hulu so I was able to watch it there and like I said after the first two episodes I was hooked and after the fourth episode it became one of my favorite superhero series of all time nice it's just uh, it's 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 an amazing show with some incredible characters and again if you love superheroes this is really the show you need to be watching because they um, they nailed the idea about what a hero is uh, perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Will, we'll pivot over to you for a second. What's a, 
obviously it's about superheroes, but beyond that, what's the basic premise of the show? Like, is is there a pattern that most episodes follow? Is it episodic? Is it a continual storyline? Oh, like, it the... is. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Go ahead, sir. Well, it's definitely, it's both episodic and a continual uh, narrative. I mean, it's more so a continued narrative, but, you know, there's always the uh, the event. It's like this. It, ha- it has main story arcs uh, separated by short stories in between to give the audience a cool down, you know, a little break from the uh, long story arcs. Uh, it stars our main character, Izuka Midoriya. Izuku Midoriya, sorry. And this art, by the way, is done by the very talented Joe Lissy. Uh, so go check out his art, art by joelissy.com. But like I said, uh, Izuko Midoriya, uh, or more commonly known in the show as Deku because of his bushy green hair. Uh <laughs> Going side note for those of you that are listening on audio only, if you want to see oh, yeah. the video with our beautiful faces, you can watch it on Spotify. So we'll continue, sir. Y'all can also look out for Joe Lissy's artwork. I'm sorry you couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so uh he he's usually called by his last name Midoria. So I'm more familiar with how to pronounce that name, but Midoriya, a.k.a. Deku, uh, he was born in a world where basically the X-Men happened and 80% of the planet are mutants. They all have superpowers. Uh, they're all metahumans, whatever you want to call them. In this show, superpowers are called quirks. So 80% of the planet has quirks, and it's given rise to both supervillains and response superheroes. Uh, Midoriya wants to be a superhero like his favorite superhero all might which is basically the superman captain america and 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 all um what's the word i'm looking for richard analogy analog i don't know analog yeah Uh, that that works analog it's like a a superman captain america mashup yeah there you go i really you know what all might's probably my favorite character this entire show yeah. But uh, so it's too bad it's not actually about him. <laughs> but uh, I love the show. I love the characters. Uh, Deku, Midoriya, he is a part of the 20% that was born with no superpowers. Uh, so, but what he has is on the inside uh, his strong drive to just, without thinking, to just step in and save people. Uh, touches All Might so much that All Might, who is secretly dying uh, and is trying to keep this information from getting out to the media and causing a, a panic and causing the villains of the world to become emboldened, decides to pass his superpowers on to Midoriya. Um, Midoriya is then enrolled and accepted into uh, UA a high school for superheroes to train them to be the uh, the next generation of superheroes. And in this world, a lot of people are being superheroes for the wrong reasons. They're, they want to be superheroes for money, fame, power, but Midoriya, or as he is called in his superhero form, Deku, wants to be a superhero for all the right reasons. He's our main uh, protagonist. 
he actually cares about people and wants to do good. Um, and so the show has a lot to do with him growing as a person, being able to uh, learning to be able to control his powers, uh, his relationship with uh, All Might, and just how he touches and influences the rest of his classmates. I did want to say um, one important thing to know about the name Deku. Um, one of uh, one of his classmates, and this is actually a childhood friend of his, is a character named Bakugo. Yes. And Bakugo has the abilities to basically, uh, his sweat is like nitroglycerin. And basically, the more he sweats, the more he can create these explosions. And as he grows and matures, he's actually able to make them larger and bigger. And basically, they were childhood friends. And Bago has like this persecution complex where he thinks Midoriya has always been looking down on him. And it pisses him off because, as he says, he's a, he's a corkless loser. And there's even a couple of great scenes where he confronts him and says, how dare you, someone who didn't even have any powers, look down on me, who was supposed to be the greatest hero of all time. And Deku actually, uh, it's an insult initially. Uh, Bakugo says it's a word for someone who's useless, someone who has no meaning, no purpose. And Midoriya embraces the name and says it's going to be the name of the greatest hero of all time. And he's thoroughly committed to that. And what's really wonderful about it is a lot of shows would probably have it where these two are always going to be butting heads, and they do. They do. And there's a wonderful scene where their uh, their teacher, Mr. Aizawa, makes the comment that whenever there's something going on, whenever there's um, something happening, the one of these two are going to be at the, the center of it. And the Aori is recognizing that there's great leadership ability in both these men, or these young, young men, when they become boys, you know, these boys become men, they're going to be he already realizes they're going to be the greatest heroes of all time. And slowly but surely, you start to see these two become friends. They start to become more, they're not exactly besties just yet, but by the current season, you can already see that they're starting to form a, a genuine friendship. Hmm. And I'm, I'm really curious to see where it goes from here on out. But it's going to be awesome. Is it is a little bit? Oh, Sorry, ahead. I was just going to ask Dan, what, how many seasons have you watched so far? I've seen all the way up to season five. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm currently watching season five. I'm on the beginning. I just didn't know if you were watching ahead in subtitles or anything. Oh, oh no, no, I was I was able to catch it on uh, Funimation. I was able to see the episodes dub. Cool. Oh, dude, the season the end of season five with the villains is oh, that's so good. I look <laughs> forward to it. Oh, you're gonna love it, dude. It's awesome. But sorry for interrupting you, Richard. Uh, you were saying. Um, no, I was just going to draw a parallel and ask um, how apropos you guys think it is. Apropos. Ap- apropos? Apropos? How However you, you say that, by the way. Here's our, here's, our, here's our other guest host. Hey! <laughs> you're, you're the writer, it, Dan. You know what apropos means, right? <laughs> I don't. Is I, it, I, I, I think I it, it's appropriate. Or, yeah, it comes from the same root as appropriate, I would think. Yeah. Um, but if it if it fits, in other words, uh, I was thinking of the show Smallville with the relationship between Clark Kent and Lex Luthor, where there's definitely a, a long term friendships up there, but they there there's a, obviously a rivalry, and eventually they become pretty much sworn enemies, even though the friendship never fully leaves in the show. I was going to see what 
what you thought of that as a comparison. I'd say I think it's, it's in the reverse. Opposite. Yeah. Because in the first one of the first episodes, uh, Bakugo actually comments to, to uh, Midoriya that if he wants to get superpowers, he could always kill himself, and maybe in his next life he'll come back with powers. And I mean, he's he's he's, he's ruthless to this kid. He he bullies him. Even some of his classmates that are joining in on the bullying even say, maybe you were a little rough on him back there. Maybe you shouldn't, you know, be you know be that rough on the kid. You know, just cut him, cut him some slack. But no, he's he's. Bakugo, Bakugo is an asshole initially. It uh, it, ta- it takes a while for you to, to warm up to the character when you start to say there's some good qualities there, but initially he comes across as just a hot-headed jerk. But after a while, you start to see some of the good qualities in the guy, so. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, that's one of the great things I like about it. And it's one of the things I'm, I'm enjoying about the... Uh, discovering the world of anime is a lot of shows will a lot of american shows will start to say these are our characters here they are right now and this is everything you need to know about them in the first episode whereas the traditional japanese route is we're going to let you peel them like onions you're going to find out the layers of these characters you're going to find out a little bit about the main characters or one or two of the main characters first but we're going to let you discover who these characters are a little bit as we go along and, and that's, that's yeah i love that too i love that too that's a hallmark of good storytelling, I think. And again, it's just something you don't get in a lot of the American superhero shows. Well, Smallville, Smallville had to have everything almost up front immediately as far as the basic setup. As time went on, you got a little bit more of the Superman mythos and you got a chance to see a little bit more of uh, what made Clark Kent Superman. But the basic premise had to be set up almost immediately. And you were already getting hints in the first episode that Lex and Clark were going to be on opposite sides. In the first episode of My Hero Academy, you, you, cannot, you cannot honestly say Midoriya and uh, Bakugo are ever going to be friends. <laughs> it just doesn't look like it's going to be. Granted, you know, it's it's hard to not give any, to hide anything when, like, you know, they've been adversarial in the comics and other, other assorted media for, you know, about, what, 40, 50 years, 60 years at that point. So it's not like oh. they could necessarily hide the fact that, oh, yeah, these guys are going to be enemies eventually. <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah no i I hear what you're saying though yeah my hero academia does have the advantage if you can call it an advantage of uh it gets to start fresh and really surprise people because the only thing it's had so far is a manga and this is the first animated series based on it so yeah i was gonna ask if it had source material do you guys want to talk a bit about that manga you know, I don't know who does this manga. I feel ashamed. I don't know the creator, uh, creator's name. I know the name, but I'll be honest with you. If I tried to say it, I know I'd screw it up. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if either of you had read the manga of the source material. I'm assuming not at this point. You can buy it at I, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I, I, I read up to the third manga. Okay. And oh, I have cool. up to the fifth one. Um... Can I give a shout out on the screen to, you know, for, yeah, uh, yeah. for service? Absolutely. Um, Viz Media. Um, right. Shonen Jump. Uh, Shonen Jump is the magazine that publishes uh, My Hero Academia and also okay. publishes uh, several other uh, series as well. They, they do uh, Food Wars, Spy, Fam- uh, Spy Family, and several others. 
And basically what they do is they'll publish this in My, uh, My Hero Academia in Shonen Jump, and then they'll release the mangas after it's been released in magazine form. If you go to their website, you can actually subscribe to Shonen Jump for $2 a month. That's that not gives bad. You, that gives you access to everything they have published up to the current issues. Really? Unlimited so access. About decades of Shonen Jump? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I need to do if, that. If you want to read My Hero Academia from the very beginning for $2 a month, you can go there and do it. And it's the best deal in comics I've ever seen in my life. It is you you can literally if if you just subscribe to the service for for monthly you will never have to buy another comic book again or another no. manga again because you there's too much material there if you had free time if you had nothing to do the rest of your life i don't think you could ever get through all the stories there and yes. richard i was gonna say that's definitely a better deal than marvel dc or, or probably even comicsology um, yeah Dude, I, I, I've I been saying this ever since I, I, I went down the rabbit hole with manga <laughs> and with anime. The Japanese are, are eating our lunch as far as comic books go. And to be honest with you, the way DC and Marvel are handling comics, we deserve we deserve to start. We, I mean, we're, we're practically we're, we're just handing it over saying, here, take it. It's yours. Um, like I said, I mean, you know, you root for the home team. I love comic books. I, lo I, I love Superman. I love The Flash. I love Spider-Man. These are characters I've loved and adored. And God knows if DC and Marvel would actually publish them once again, I'd be happy to buy their books. But for right now, I don't recognize any of these damn characters. Uh, the Japanese are at least giving me something that's entertaining me. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And honestly... It's just, it's a better read and it's a better it value is. too. I mean, even by the mangas, it's like 10 bucks for a book that's probably going to take you a good while to get through as opposed to like a $6 book that you can read in like 10 minutes. That's I mean, true. Yeah. That, that... And, I mean, like I said, the money, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a better bargain. And like I said, better material. Hey, Richard. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, Dan. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was just going to ask Richard if you wanted me to. Explain what Shonen Jump is, or if that's not necessary. I feel like it's self-explanatory in the context. You know, the publishing company, I assume they have a magazine as well. And well, Shonen Jump is the magazine. It is the magazine. Okay. But they offer uh, a subscription it's an anthology. Service? It's an anthology of boys' comics. It's been around since the 80s or before. Uh, that's where Dragon Ball and a lot of other things got their start uh, okay. uh, before they got their own books. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah. So it's sort of like a, that's it. like a science fiction short story magazine where maybe some science fiction writers got their start. It's kind of like the Japanese version of that, but with well, you know, everybody manga. puts the new chapter of their latest of, of their franchise in there. It's, it's more like a small phone book, but yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. And uh, I was going to say, I've got the name of the creator of uh, My Hero Academia. Cool. I'm going to try to pronounce it. If I screw it up, please. I'm sure somebody in the comment section will tell me. It's Kohei uh, Horikoshi. Cool, cool. And like I said, he is... Um, I recall I recall reading before that uh, Horikoshi has done some other uh, manga series, and My Hero Academia is like the latest one that he's doing. Cool. And unfortunately, I have been reading more and more that the series is about ready to come to an end. That it's he's getting ready to wrap it up very shortly. But uh, again, that's that's the way it goes with manga. Sometimes you get a series that'll run forever, and then some that 
when they are, when the writer feels like he's run the course, you know, they'll decide to end it. And um, like I said, I'm very curious to see what he does with it. I'm curious to what the ending's going to be because, like I said, so far it's been a heck of a journey, and I'm I'm curious to see what the I'm going to ride it to the end. <laughs> hey Dan, have you uh, seen or heard of any of the Mighty Hero Academia spinoffs? I have actually. I have seen uh, Vigilantes. I have I've read yeah, the first two chapters, which is really good. Cool. Um, in the, in this world of My Hero Academia, uh, the heroes have to be licensed. It's actually against the law for anyone to use their powers unless they're a licensed hero or if it's like for work, they have to be certified to do it. Uh, <laughs> but there are vigilantes in this, uh, in this universe. And uh, this, uh, this particular storyline explores the ones who don't want to go to the hero. You don't want to become the licensed hero out, but they still want to make a difference in the world. That reminds me a little bit of the boys. I, I've not read the, the comics from the boys, but I've watched a little bit of the series. Um, very different overall premise but it just reminds me a bit of that like there's a with there there's like a corp both corporate and government involvement with the the licensing or the approval of particular superheroes so just reminded me of that I, I i will say that if you um if you're watching this and you have uh kids about say seven or eight or so if you're if you're if you're comfortable with them watching justice league mm-hmm. then i i think my hero academia would be appropriate for them nice okay uh, like I said, there's a little bit of profanity yeah. here and there, like a, a bastard or a dam or hell every now and then. Yeah, maybe but watch the first episode with me. She was uh, didn't like the profanity, but she ended up really liking the series by the end of the episode. I'm, I'm sorry I cut you off again. I guess I'm bad at that. No, I, I was just going to say, on the other hand, if you have kids, I would not recommend you watching The Boys with them. That is definitely uh, not going to be one for the young no. ones just yet. I'm not, uh, sure, I'm not sure it's really appropriate for some adults, but... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's debatable, too. Like, the very first episode... Now, in fairness to them, the very first episode, they let you know what you're in for. Like, when you have a, a human that gets torn apart by being run through by basically a flash analog, <laughs> you know, like, this person literally explodes on screens. Like, yeah, you know what you're getting in for if you continue this series. <laughs> yep. It's, have you, have you seen so, the, have you do seen they the have the dog? <laughs> have, have you seen Herogasm ep- yet? Herogasm episode yet? No, I no. I, I think I've only watched... I don't know if I made it all the way through season one, but I, I've watched part of season one at least. And uh, and yeah, I've kind of given up on it for, for now. I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of gratuitous violence for its own sake, you know, where it's just like, you know, they're just trying to gross you out. They're trying to up the ante. I'm like, eh, I got I to take that or leave it. You know, that, that that's just that's just me, though. Like, uh, if it's got a if it's got a really good storyline, I can, I can put up with that up to a point. But, but yeah. I, I, think, I think the boys does have a pretty good storyline. It's it's not. It's not a bad series. It's actually very good, I think. Uh, I, I like some of the characters. Some of the characters, I think, are very repulsive. But in the way that you like a villain to be repulsive. Oh, man. But again, yeah, the... this is... But again, that's the other thing, too, is there's a lot of this... Ed, there's this idea about superheroes in America have to be edgy. They've got to be dark. They've got to be grim. And My Hero Academia is... It's bright and, It's a lot more bright and sunny than that. I love it. Yeah. And that's more... why I enjoy it. To hark back more to like the what would you Dan, what would you consider the the heydays of American comics? Be 60s, 70s, would it be before that or after, or like what what's your golden age of comics if you had to pick one? 
It's it's uh, it's kind of hard to say. I personally myself, I would say the golden age of comics would probably be around the nineteen. I, I'd say from the from say. I'd say it's the Silver Age. I'd say it's its creation of the Flash in Showcase mm-hmm. and DC going out there and um, reinventing their Golden Age characters, um, yeah. turning Barry Allen to the Flash, Hal Jordan into the Green Lantern, um, Carter Hall into Hawkman, uh, and then Marvel creating the Marvel Universe with the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. And the run throughout the 60s, when you've got Kirby and Ditko at Marvel, and then uh, Carmine Infantino and Gil Kane at DC Comics is just fantastic. And then when you get that switch where Gil Kane goes over to Marvel and, and Jack Kirby goes over to DC, and some some of the stuff that they produced wasn't always successful. I mean, Jack Kirby's Fourth World was considered a failure initially, but looking back on it now, it's, it's considered a masterpiece. And of course, you've got Denny O'Neill and uh, Neil Adams uh, reinventing Batman and reinventing Green Arrow and um, and uh, Green Lantern. And then all the way up until the time that uh, Jim Shooter takes over Marvel Comics. For me, my golden age is Marvel in the 1980s, when Jim Shooter comes in and you got Chris Claremont on X-Men and John Byrne on the Fantastic Four and Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends on Spider-Man and Frank Miller on Daredevil. It's like almost every Marvel comic you picked up they weren't always masterpieces, but they were good. You could at least pick up an issue and be entertained. And sometimes you'd be blown away and just realize this this is the greatness being created on this page. And at the same time, too, DC was always considered like the more your little brother's uh, company. But then you got Mark Wolfman and George Perez coming in with the Teen Titans. You got Alan Moore taking over Swamp Thing. Um, you've got a little bit more of a reinvention of Batman, uh, John Byrne taking over Superman. So yeah, I'd, I'd say basically up until, I'd say from showcase number four with the introduction of the Flash to probably the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, that is what I consider to be the greatest period of comics of all time. Hmm. Just because of the of the creators that were involved, um, you're still having Golden Age guys like Will Eisner uh, creating new books and Jack Kirby. Uh, Ditko was still in the game, but you had new talents like Perez coming in, Frank Miller, John Byrne. It's just uh, it's a it's a wonderful magical time. If you if you were reading comic books at the time, like I was, then every trip to the spinner rack was a brand new adventure just waiting to be discovered. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I wish I wish that I had read more back at that age. Like I remember, I think late eighties, my grandmother, we were. Sometimes she would buy things for me that my parents didn't approve of. <laughs> yeah. So she bought, I remember her buying me a Batman comic. And I think this is right around the time of like the Frank Miller revolution where things were getting a little darker yeah. and in DC. And uh, I'm pretty sure they were starting to show like blood and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know how far back that went, but I just remember coming home and then my parents didn't let me keep it. Uh, that made made her take it back <laughs> so but yeah like I, I feel like i missed out on some things so i think the most i had comics wise was like i remember i had like a donald duck comic and i had like a ducktales comic and a couple of others but I, yeah it was just something i never got big into uh my dad did when he was a kid i, I know he he said when you know because he was growing up in the 60s so he was reading like you know 
classic Iron Man. I know, I think he always liked Iron Man and obviously Spider-Man. And, uh, but yeah, you, you referenced the eighties and, uh, I actually picked up a, uh, a used late eighties, uh, Avengers comic not too long ago from, from McKay's which is our local, uh, it's like nerd heaven here. It's like a used bookstore that sells all kinds of stuff. And, uh, I think the, the, during that particular run, the wasp was, there was a transition in leadership. The wasp was leading the Avengers oh, and yeah. it transitioned to uh, Captain Marvel, who was Monica Rambo at that time. So it was just interesting to see some of that, like, especially after watching like WandaVision and, and Loki and now I know She-Hulk is coming out soon. So She-Hulk was in it as well in that particular comic. It's just interesting to see um, some of the alternate storylines, if you will, and, and realizing that some of the modern stuff that's coming out now is probably borrowed from from some of those. So it's just it's cool. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I think um, unfortunately the way comics are nowadays, with um, a lot a lot of creators aren't going to create new characters, or if they are, they're going to make them for themselves their own company so i think that's one of the big things about dc and marvel it seems like they're just rehashing the same stories over and over again mm. and trying to find new ways to shock readers or try to get readers involved when really what they need to do is just sit down and tell a good story yeah. Yeah. people will come back yeah, honestly i enjoy the older stuff i don't even care about picking up the new stuff but if i could just go back and get the old stuff that's what i want to read the stuff that was made before I was born, the the stuff that was coming out when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, there's there's good stuff out there, but I'm finding more and more it's it's the indie publishers that are putting the really good stuff out there. I think. Hmm. Um, but most of my stuff that I collect nowadays it's trades or graphic novels. Um, I've been picking up the DC. I'm, I'm looking at a huge stack of. The books right now, it's uh, DC uh, Showcase presents these huge phone book sized black and white collections of uh, oh, nice of Silver Age, uh, Bronze Age comics. And I'm starting to pick up some of the Marvel um, Marvel Essentials, and every now and then I'll pick up like Marvel Masterworks, you know, reprinting in color. And <laughs> I'm just I'm just enjoying these a lot more because, like I said, I'm revisiting re- I'm re- I'm re- visiting stories that I read as a kid initially, and stories I'd read about when I was a kid. And I'm I'm just in I just I figure life is too short. Don't don't read crap. Read the good stuff. <laughs> That's right. I hear that. Well, we got about two minutes left, guys. So um, just pulling back around to my hero academia. Uh, I guess I'll finish with you, Dan. Like, what is it about the way they handle superheroes that that caused you to to really love it? Like, I'm assuming some of that evokes like the comic golden ages and silver ages that you love, like. But what is it about the way they handle superheroes that, that made you fall in love with the show? I would say it's probably Midoriya's arc when he gets into My Hero when he gets into uh, UA. Um, UA has this test where there's, uh, there's written exam, but there's also a practical exam. And they set the kids out and they have to destroy these robots. And one, one set is worth one point, one set is worth two points, one set is worth three points. And there's a fourth one, which they basically say, oh, you don't have to worry about them. They're not worth anything. They're not worth any points whatsoever. 
basically at the beginning of the exam, Midori has just got his powers. He just got his powers just, just a few hours before, and he's not even sure they're kicking in yet. He's at the back of the pack. Everyone else is scoring. He's going, he's got no points whatsoever. Nothing, nothing to show. And he's panicking. And he's convinced he's going to fail. And then they bring out the fourth robot that's worth nothing. And it's basically this giant robot that's like 20 stories high. It's a behemoth. And the rest of these kids are running. He's getting ready to run too. And he realizes Nchaka becomes, I'm thoroughly convinced this is the love interest for him in the show. She's trapped. You know, she he had met her previously. They had a little moment. It was very cute. But she's trapped. And the thing is, he leaps into action. While everyone else is running away, he jumps into the fray. That's when his powers kick in, and all of a sudden you see just how powerful this kid is. He basically takes out this giant robot one punch. Tell you what, Dan. And, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there and we're gonna come back and, and put a few more minutes in another segment. Just to finish up, because I don't, I don't like leaving him right in the middle of that. So, I'm just- Nerds, Richard here, taking a moment to talk to you about the podcast. First of all, thank you so much for listening. For those of you who do listen, wherever you listen, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or some other podcasting service, we would appreciate some feedback whether that's in the form of subscribing to the podcast there or following us or engaging with us in the polls that we have. This is on Spotify specifically. We have polls and questions on almost every episode. So we'd be glad for your feedback. Also, if you'd like to leave us a voice message, you can go to our website. It's anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd and click the message button there to leave us a note. We will, as I said, include it on next week's episode so nerds reach out let us know how we're doing and now back to this week's episode and we are back for another 10 to 15 minutes to finish up our talk about my hero academia so dan if if you remember where you left off you want to pick back up there we'll continue on Sure. Well, as I was saying, um, there's just, again, there's just this wonderful scene. Well, like I said, um, Midoriya is jumping into action. He doesn't even know if he's got powers or not, but he knows he's got to do something. And actually, in, I think it's in the uh, uh, second episode, uh, after uh, Midoriya encounters All Might for the first time, uh, Bakugo is taken prisoner by this sludge uh, villain. And basically, all the other heroes, the heroes are standing back, and they're like, well, we can't approach him. This, guy, this thing's too powerful. Midoriya jumps in. No powers whatsoever. But he leaps in there, and that's what convinces All Might that he is going to become his successor. Now, All Might has the ability to pass his powers down. It's actually, he's actually, Midoriya actually becomes the ninth person to have this ability that's passed down from one person to another, the quirk that's passed down from one person to the next. It's all, it's all tied into his... Uh, Arch, uh, All Might's arch villain backstory, which we we, we could get into, but we'll be here for another couple of hours. But suffice it to say, <laughs> All Might, like Will said, All Might is, is dying. He he has gone toe to toe with his arch rival, his arch enemy, and he's only got a certain amount of time left. And right now, he goes from being this huge, bulky, muscular figure to being like a, a practical scarecrow because mm-hmm. he can't maintain the superhero form for that long. But he's looking for a successor. And when he sees what uh, Midoriya does, that convinces him this kid is 
has the heart and soul of a hero. He doesn't have the powers, but the powers can come. You can't teach what this kid has as far as being courageous, being heroic, and wanting to save people. And that ends up saving him in the exam because there are rescue, there's rescue points as well as destroying the villain points. And basically that action that he took in sacrificing points to save a potential classmate is what puts him over the edge. That's what gets him into the, into the school. Hmm. It's like, it's like All Might says, how can we, how could we refuse a hero that would sacrifice when not, when nothing, there's nothing to gain hmm. except saving the life of a, of someone else. How could we turn that person down to be admitted into our school? And that, that is what I love about the show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I see what you guys say that it evokes Captain America. That, that make, I can't help but think of, you know, the Captain America, the first Avenger where Steve Rogers, when he's still his fragile, skinny self <laughs> jumps on the grenade you know um and that's the reason why he gets chosen for the super soldier program it's because of his, his courage his bravery is you know i didn't think of that well that's the other interesting thing too midori in the first couple of seasons he keeps damaging his body uh he he's got this immense power but his body's not built for it um after the practical exam he ends up breaking an arm breaking both of his legs and throughout the season, it's a running joke. There's there's recovery girl who's the school nurse who is able to heal wounds and injuries. Uh-huh. And the running joke is he keeps going. He has to keep going to the nurse's office every day because he keeps finding new ways to injure himself. Yeah, recovery <laughs> girl used probably used to be hot stuff, but at this point, she's an elderly woman, and so she's just smooching him to heal him. And <laughs> I, I have a theory. I, I don't know if this is true or not. I have a theory. Recover Girl is probably like 30 years old and like really super hot. But because of her power, her healing people, it may, it ages her. It's, it's, yeah, yes. I, think, I think if she stopped aging people, she started looking like the traditional Japanese anime nurse, school nurse would, which are always hot. So, you know. so she, <laughs> she can only heal people through her kiss? Is Did I hear that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Of and the couple of what we did previously, one of my all-time top five waifus, waifu number five is actually a nurse, so that's something to look forward to later. <laughs> I talked to that. Oh, oh you go ahead, man. That, that sounds like something a Japanese uh, man would come up with. <laughs> well, I, uh, I think, I I think we can devote a separate podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, when I got into anime, my friend Josh was filling me on some of the words, and waifu is basically, it's, it's your anime wife. It's, yes. It is if you could if you could have a an anime character as your wife, this would be your wife. And like I said, I'm currently got about twenty of them, so I I, I may never go back to 3D girls again. That's ladies, you had your chance. You you screwed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not my fault. I put myself out there. You don't want me. So hey. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, before this ends, I just have to ask you. Now, my hero academia is obviously the superior uh, Japanese take on the Western superhero, but have you seen One Punch Man? I, I have seen a couple of episodes. I tried, maybe it was the wrong time for me to watch it. I tried getting into it and I, I really I really couldn't get into it that much. It, it, it's happened before. There's been a few animes I've seen like the first episode and I'm like, I'm not really digging this too much, yeah. but I'll come back and I'll watch it later. Uh, but no, I, I've, heard good, I've heard good things about it too and uh, Probably when I get caught up on some other animes and some other shows, I'm probably going to get a chance to uh, watch that one too. It's on the list. 
Yeah, about- I watched it before My Hero Academia, actually. Um, what about uh, Buddha and Jesus? Have you guys watched that? Anime? Yes, I, I have read the manga. I've read the manga. Have you? Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. Really? Isn't, isn't the premise like it's like in the 20th century? I thought Buddha I told you about this. You probably did. Like Buddha and Jesus are sharing an apartment. Oh, it's just a hilarious premise. Yeah, I created a non-affiliated sequel, but then scrapped it. Where, <laughs> where uh, the Prophet Muhammad got kicked out by his eight wives and had to come live with uh, them. But I decided that was a bad idea. And didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might make some people very angry. Yeah. <laughs> have you but, have you guys have you guys seen one called My Dress Up Darling? Hmm. Very good. If if you are a convention goer and you like cosplay, this is a good one to take a look at. Oh man, I think the very first anime I ever saw. This was like, I may be, maybe getting the timing wrong, but like, I think it was in the nineties, and I was at, I believe it was at either my grandmother's house or like some family member's house because we didn't we didn't have cable all the time growing up. Like we would. Every few years, we would get one of those deals where it's like, hey, for one year, you can get a discounted price. And we would get it for a year, and then we'd cancel it. So I think it was at someone else's house. I, I can't remember for sure. But Cowboy Bebop on Cartoon Network Adult Swim was yeah. the first anime I ever saw. No, if memory serves me good correctly. One. Yeah, no, I, I found it fascinating. I, I was like a teenager, I believe, at the time, or at least early teenager early 20s kind of in that range there and i was like and it felt a little bit illicit i was like i shouldn't be watching this but it yeah it was great it's great you're like animated boobs animated boobs oh well the animated boobs (laughs) (laughs) they don't remind him of valentine he's a married man now he can't have no waifus (laughs) i'm sure that was i'm sure that was part of the appeal but but it was also just very interesting. It was a very different art style than I had ever seen before as well. And it was kind of like, almost like film noir, but Japanese style. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. ever feel tempted, Richard, just think of flat-chested Ed. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Dan knows what it means. <laughs> did, you, did you guys see the live-action Cowboy Bebop on Netflix? No. I have not. I did. I saw the last the last clip where they introduced Ed, and I'm like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> Plus, too, I, I I have a I have a I'm not going to watch your show if you come out and call me sexist, racist, homophobe before I've even seen an episode like the actress who played Faye did. Because I was just like, you're not selling me on your show. I mean, come on, you're not going to watch your show by making me think I'm a bad person for not watching your show. I mean, you know. Oh uh, yeah. Yes. Are there racists out there? Yes. Are there homophobes out there? Yes. Are there assholes out there? Yes. But you know what else is out there? Really shitty shows. And you know what? You've made one. You made a really shitty show and you can't defend it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, just, I'm like, I'm all for having different different stories told by different people, different walks of life. I love that. That's what makes good stories good. But again, when you make crap, you're not going to get my money because my money, my time and my money are way too valuable. And I'm not going to waste it on junk. And 
that seems to be the go-to thing right now is calling out fans before something comes out like Kenobi. I mean, I mean, everybody was jumping, you know, shaking, you know, just getting all upset about comments that were made. And I'm like, I didn't see any comments made, but I did see a crappy show. <laughs> oh, oh, you didn't like Kenobi? You didn't oh. like Kenobi? Oh, I like the second oh. half, I have to say. I, I did like the second half. Especially the final episode. The final episode, I, I, I enjoyed it. What worried me was the writer coming out and going, you know, I, I never saw Revenge of the Sith. And I'm like, what? Crap. <laughs> well, okay. That well, doesn't make any sense. Well, type of what TV, uh, what TV, uh, the guy did Love and Thunder. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you heard about him asking Natalie Portman if she wanted to be in his new Star Wars movie. Ah! Oh, <laughs> yes. And she's yeah, kidding, and she's like, no, he was serious. It's like, you realize I did three of these things already. It's like, well, I didn't see them, so. <laughs> you, you yeah. that fine line between fanboy and detached. You got to have somebody who, who knows the material and likes it. Mm-hmm. And somebody who actually knows about it, at least. I mean, you know, someone, someone who could be objective about it, but still say, I saw it and I liked it. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. yeah I, Will... I don't really need to put my fingerprints all over it and just ruin it. Oh, man. Yeah, Will and I, uh, we, we kind of ragged on Thor Love and Thunder a bit. We, uh, we only gave it yeah. 2.5 stars. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like, if you see it, like, you'll enjoy it. I mean, if you like Marvel, if you like the MCU... You know, it's a popcorn flick. You know, you'll enjoy it in the theater, but it's it's not great. You know, it's not the worst Marvel movie. It's not the. It's definitely not the best. Those middle of the road is kind of how we rated it, and I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You know, I, I still haven't seen Eternals or Doctor Doctor Strange two yet. So, well, <laughs> okay, I'll save you some time. Don't see Eternals. Do see Doctor Strange two. I I, I went in and saw Bruce Campbell's parts online, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there you go. Nobody's gonna watch it, so <laughs> um, Who I have knows? to say, you might like Eternals. I don't know, I'm just joking. I probably not. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the world building of Eternals, but yeah, the characters there wasn't any particular character that I really resonated with. Like, probably the closest is like Jon Snow, you know, <laughs> i.e., the Jon Snow, <laughs> yeah, i.e., the uh, wow, who's he end up being? Was it the Black Knight or something? You know, it gets revealed at the end of the movie that he's like the Black Knight, something like that. He he, he gets a black sword. Oh, him. apparently, yeah. Apparently, it's somewhat... yeah, the Black Knight. I Actually, guess. he shows up in that eighties uh, Avengers comic that I talked about. Like he's he's in that randomly. I was like, Ooh. I was like, ha, okay. You're right. They introduced two new characters at the end of that film. Who is yeah. the other character? Was that Blade? Oh yeah, yeah, Blade. Yeah, uh huh. Cool. So yeah, it's I'm interesting sorry, to see. We ruined where... this for you, Dan. Sorry, no, so spoiler alert. Yeah, th- those are in the cutscenes at the end. Yeah, and we haven't got back to them yet. I forgot they existed. Yeah, which we have not done a review of, of Eternals. Um, I enjoyed parts of it. I did like seeing Babylon on the big screen for the first time. That was pretty darn cool, I have to say. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that did Babylon on the big screen. So that I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, it, it it was kind of middle of the road MCU as well. I have to, I have to admit. I I really think after Endgame, they didn't have a plan. It was like, crap, nope. things are making movies. We're going to make more of them, but we don't have a story. Uh, yeah, they're like, oh, crap, what do we do now? I know, we do I know everything. 
I want Galactus. Oh yeah, Ooh, yeah. I, I've heard rumors he's going to be in in one of the movies. Yeah. Well, hey guys, appearing baby. <laughs> I think that's probably a, a good uh, good signal for for a cutoff here. Um, some of this might get edited out, but um, yeah, we're trying to trying to cut trim down the the length of our episodes a little bit now. Any, anything real... I said that you need to cut, I understand. <laughs> I'm a handful. <laughs> Uh, you By the know, way, if you leave anything in, if anyone gets offended, don't come after these guys. They, they knew, they like me. I begged them to come back on. So please don't, <laughs> don't give them crap, okay? Don't say it's like, we'll have to put a little disclaimer at the beginning. The opinions <laughs> of the guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the irreverent nerds. <laughs> um, well, Dan, thank you so much for uh, for joining thank us again. Thank you. It's been really I fun. Glad to do it. Glad to do it. Yeah, like I, I enjoyed this. Well, we'll have to do it again before too long. Um, Definitely. Let me know when you guys want me to come back. I'll be happy to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at irreverent underscore nerds, plural. We are on Facebook our fan page is simply called The Irreverent Nerds. We're on YouTube, The Irreverent Nerd. And if you go to anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd, you can support us for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. You can also send us a voice message, which we may include in a future episode. Fellow nerds, until next time. Make it so. Engage. Avengers Assemble. I'm Batman.